gentlemen, the long-awaited laser time. Um, late, long-awaited because it's late, uh, but long-awaited because it's also our annual best of television. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. That will be our topic this week. Who is with me? It's me, Sarah. Hey, this is Sam. Yes, and we usually pick a different topic every week, and we grab ourselves some experts, friends, sound effects, research. But this is something we've done every year, uh, and I don't know why, but it's the hardest year ever I think I've had to decide on best TV. I, I'm drinking uh, I'm drinking a large can of Twisted Tea in honor of my favorite thing I've seen in recent memory, which is a guy breaking one over the face of a racist anti-masker. That's like <laughs> the best video on the internet. Uh, oh, I still want to have a Twisted Tea. I just figured it was like one of those things that's like impossible to get now. Because it's too popular. But when you walk yeah. into a Walgreens, also very unpopular, you get all sorts of stuff like your brand of cigarettes that hasn't existed in a year mm-hmm. I want to thank Digital our pa- I want to thank our patrons real fast uh, Justin Allen and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time you guys were just on a bonus time and I don't want to rehash a bunch of that stuff I just I am sort of ashamed of myself and how little entertainment I enjoyed I'm ashamed of myself for how little reading I did but I think if I'm one I was like putting together a list of my favorite things on television I think we may have said that on a bonus time but the weekend after the election, um, where like we were up all night, a lot of us texting back and forth as as the election became bluer and bluer after like a really disconcerting amount of red. That to me was the best moment of television I've experienced last year. And that flowed right into SNL, which seemed like had to modify their shit because two hours ago the election results had changed, had, had like flipped. And Mm -hmm. Joe Biden was declared the winner. But I I should say, obviously, we're all lefties. But uh, part of what we talked about on bonus time is like the the daily chaos of the last year. And in in addition to an unstable figurehead, we had a, a virus in our midst. And it was like everything was depressing and everything seemed immediate and everything... We watched more news than anything else. I, mm-hmm. over the last year, I have, I'm, I'm slowly dropping some of this, uh, watching the news and YouTube pundits and late night monologues. Like I, if I'm being honest, I, that is what I spent the most of the year watching and found it very hard to concentrate on things that weren't directly related to current events. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I did not watch news because it was too much of a bummer and it all felt super out of my control so i just is like the whatever makes up news is just going to happen completely outside of my control and probably and against my will Mm -hmm. so i didn't watch a lot of news but you know we didn't watch that many movies because there just weren't many movies for us to watch but we did cover that the mm-hmm. best movies of 2020, and there are definitely some gems out there. I read like 22 books, which is pretty good. Also ashamed about I... lack of reading, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, re- I... I read more articles than I ever had. I learned more ways to sneak around the Washington Post and New York Times paywall than any human being should have to. But mm-hmm. I read a lot of that, but like, and I'm sort of ashamed of myself. I couldn't really affect the outcome. I didn't volunteer to the level that you guys did. And so I didn't, I wasn't changing anything. And so now it's all come off and I'm like trying to think back and like, I would watch certain things, but it wasn't enjoyable. It was the first time I've ever, I hate raw nostalgia, regardless of what you think of the show. I'm usually pretty okay at picking out new picks, but it was just like, I had to watch things where I could expect the beat. So I wouldn't think or be distracted about other things. I had to know what was going to happen 
in order to enjoy most things. See, I took a lot of comfort from TV this year. I yeah. watched a lot of TV this year, and I was really pestering you about doing this show because I'm yeah. excited. We There's been some phenomenal TV this year. I can't wait to talk about both new series and new seasons of mm -hmm. series that already existed, some for many, many years and some still kind of brand new. So I am stoked to talk about tv it's been a great year for tv for us yeah and i and I, I feel the i have favorites but mm -hmm. no new stuff like i didn't I, I i know there was a lot of stuff i liked like I, I i thought the auntie donna sketch show on netflix was amazing and then i just forgot i needed to continue laughing and like i left that show like three episodes in loving it and just never ever went back to it again that's not something i normally do so i, mm -hmm. I i'm concerned obviously about all of our collective mental health of even I'm capable of like finding a new sketch comedy, telling my friends about it and then forgetting it exists. Like that's the kind of world we were living in this year. There was always a fucking real world distraction or news based distraction or a medical based distraction that yeah, took me away from like everything. I, I did not plug uh, unplug from the machine really at all this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a thing I talked about on the Patreon episode. I was very busy this year I feel like it was kind of a mixed bag. I did see some good TV, but like you, I would say I did not see a lot of great new TV right. for me personally. Um, but it, you know, it was still a good TV year. It was kind of a lousy movie year. I mean, I know that you guys already did another episode about that, mm -hmm. but like I went to like Birds of Prey and then fucking Sonic, and that was it. <laughs> for the most part. I mean, um, so both not bad nice films. Both not bad films. Um, Birds of Prey being much better than Sonic. I don't know. They're they're both fine films. Um, well, it, I, and I'm bringing that up because like I didn't envy a lot of TV. I, like Sarah on her list had Barry on here because like time is stretched out and who the fuck remembers when we saw that and it's, and I was like, wait, that was that was last year. But like we're I think we're so used to thinking of last year before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and. No, it was it was still a few. It was it was a couple of good weeks at the beginning of 2020 where we could go outside, where we didn't have to watch TV as our only form of entertainment in the house. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had to check a lot of my dates actually because um, I've had so much time on my hands, especially very recently, that mm -hmm. I've used this time to catch up on television that I did not watch when it first came out. One yeah. of that was Barry, and it was really great. It was such a which is Fantastic so weird. We, I told you Barry was great, and we were watching we were watching Game of Thrones, so it was on right before Barry. But I guess we just shut the TV off and kept drinking. Because remember, <laughs> we used to be able to watch shows together. Oh, so, I yeah. loved it so much. And so yeah, I, Barry I, was a lot, Barry was a lot of fun because I got into it like by myself and watched like a little over half of the first season and then just dropped it for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the hell I do that, but I got to pick it back up with Sarah and it, it's very solid, but we can get to that later. Well, I was, I was getting to it cause I think that's one of the shows that like did very well and absolutely should have had another season this year and did not because it mm -hmm. was unfilmable. And, and two of the biggest milestones on why things are unfilmable right now, I'm not going to throw to a clip of Tom Cruise braiding a crew, but I wish I did. <laughs> I was going to give a shout out to something I don't think is the best TV, but it's, I discovered Shameless during the pandemic because both the person who accidentally ended up staying here for nine months got into it and my girl is into it. It is a Showtime show based on a British show that's been on for 11 seasons. And they are the only show I've seen 
that decided to start filming during the pandemic and it's its final season and it is during the pandemic. The main character is an asshole and now he's an anti-masker. All these poor people in Chicago are now dealing with the pandemic. And for that, it's like I was talking to my dad about it. Like if you saw a uh, uh, 25th hour with Ed Norton, Spike Lee movie in theaters and like, whoa, this is the first time I saw 9-11 addressed like in a movie. Uh, and it took like a fucking year. Shameless is the first TV show I'd seen do that. And it's it is the furthest thing from my favorite show. And sometimes it's downright terrible. But making a comedy about the pandemic in the midst of the pandemic is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It's been very interesting to see television shows address that. And the shows that I've watched regularly that have started to address the pandemic have been Grey's Anatomy, Nine One One, and Superstore. Wait, have you had all... to... Oh, yeah, Superstore. We were, we were... Superstore was one of the shows I discovered during the pandemic. We watched oh. all of it. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. To, we're going to talk about we that. We watched Seinfeld. Later. We rewatched Always Sunny and a lot of Leonard Kinney. So I did. I did, it's not that I didn't watch a lot of TV. I was usually looking at my phone and like refreshing fucking articles, mm-hmm. like an, like a just a total addicted sycophant. I I, I I regret this year for so many reasons, but part of it is because of my behavior. And I also wanted to give a clip, which I think I think I'm happy enough to move Brock Meyer into best of the year. Um, Brock Meyer's a show I've talked about every single year. I love Hank Azaria and the character that he does that doesn't have any problems worth making a documentary over is disgraced baseball <laughs> announcer who is just drug addicted and filthy. And the last two seasons he got clean and it, it, it remained fascinating. And, uh, but just hearing all this, all this like woke drug and sex reference out of a guy who talks like this, Never stopped being funny to me. I feel like it's 80s hack stand-up, but this is his, in this season, uh, the baseball commission gets together and wants to make him the commissioner of baseball, a sport that is failing. Well, hold on, I wanted to save a little bit of that for surprise, but I love this clip. Jim Brockmeyer is our last chance to save this game. And on a personal level, he's someone that I consider a friend. Friend? No, we're not friends. Sir, you're a billionaire. You're evil. I mean, you get that, right? I mean, you see how you live and the rest of the world lives and the difference there? I tolerate you as an owner in the same way that I might try to befriend the nicest Aryan brother in prison, but uh, still a horrible, horrible Nazi. Anywho, (laughs) did I interrupt you? I think, were you offering me a job or something? We want to make you commissioner of baseball. Stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Stupider than thinking that I'm your friend. <laughs> so, uh, I, I I don't know. I'm, I wanted to play a little bit of that. I love that speech. I, one of my favorite things in television that I, I we should maybe even do a laser time about it is shows that do drastic time jumps. Mm. So it jumps from 2020 to 2030. Like Parks and Rec, I think, is one of my favorite mm-hmm. seasons is last season that jumps to the far off year of 2017. We're all... <laughs> broadcasting things out of their watches. In 2030, they have little, uh, like, hollow lens projector things you bring around instead of laptops. But they also have porn that he gets... It's only mentioned three times in the series, Mr. Magorium's Masturbatorium. That's, that's <laughs> where he... Get. And hearing, hearing his character say that. But I bring it up just because I started watching the show in mid-March. That's when it premiered. And what else premiered for the rest of the world in... Mid-March. Quarantine. I know this show was not shot the week before it aired, in the second week of March. 
but its intro to its time jump is a world that very much resembles what 2020 would actually become, including huh. wildfires and disease. But this is Brock Meyer's version of 2030. Good day, America. Here's your morning news. Food shortage riots have hit Georgia and South Carolina as hungry mobs sweep riots. through the streets looking for food. Scottsdale authorities continue to battle the mutant version of loss of fever and are working to quarantine those infected while incinerating the deceased, as Arizona is now the fourth state to become part of the disputed lands. The last <laughs> remaining trees of the Amazon have burned. Officials plan to replace a portion of the acreage with an amusement park dedicated to Brazilian points of pride, like Samba, beef production and the highest number of plastic surgeons per capita than anywhere in the world. <laughs> Looks like the heat wave gripping the East Coast is about to break, with temperatures dipping all the way down to the high 110s by your weekend. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I, I know they're making a silly joke, but, like, it became so captivating to watch their version of the future because there were all these jokes about global warming, everything being on fire, riots in the street, world hunger, and a pandemic, and, like, Oh, this is less funny now, but it still remained captivating. <laughs> this is, oh, sure. While his job was saving baseball, a completely unsavable televised pastime. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Brock Meyer for that. It was utterly absurd of how well, well or ill-timed it was with the pandemic. So let's go to break real fast and we'll dig into the rest of our best of TV right after this. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash lasertime. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. This is the year. This is the. This is when I discover Layaway, and that would have been Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. Such a strange phenomenon that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 is like this make good. Like, here's the what you wanted. Let's ignore the incredibly difficult ultra games platformer, <laughs> the side scrolling. It should be worth appreciating how hard that was to do, because I think they just yeah. assumed like there's no way we can optimize a game for arcades onto an NES, like. Somebody in Japan said, well, you better fucking try because you have one year. <laughs> yeah, this game should not have been able to run on the NES. Like, there's no, I, I don't know how they did it. Which was weird. And, uh, but for some reason at the time, that seemed more exciting. Like, it, Pizza it was. Hut was a very dynamic brand in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, it was, um, I, I believe some YouTuber a few years ago took one of the coupons from either the game or the, the VHS. And uh, Pizza Hut honored it. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a free personal pan pizza. It's only worth 11 cents. It's never been worth, it's been worth more than that. Because um, uh, I did I did see someone build, literally, Michael, a custom arcade, uh, uh, arcade one-up for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the arcade game, not the arcade game on which it's based. And the dude put... Pizza Hut coupons from the game underneath the glass of the <laughs> the deck protector. God, that is that is some Street Fighter to the game based on it's the weird. movie bullshit right there. It's weird, and it shouldn't be such a pleasant memory. But I remember my, this is where my I'm like, Mom, I want this game, and I'll do anything to have it. And so she took me to the Walmart layaway department and taught me what that was about. So I'd keep bringing money into Walmart layaway 
um, until I believe she caved and like he's never going to save up fifty dollars. <laughs> this is so mean to do to the little kid. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Lasertime crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash lasertime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Lasertime network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. This is one of those things that feels good, because this is one of those shows I feel like we haven't done in a while. We're just going to talk about one thing, and it's not related to something terrible happening in the world. We're talking cynicism, so it's a perfect segue into what the real topic of today's show is. I thank you for doing doing this because I we missed it on thirty twenty ten, but you reminded me not only of a milestone, but you did it with an awful, awful promotional video that shouldn't be legal at all. It uh, is it's like, <laughs> how did this air on primetime over the air? This giant advertisement with uh, celebrities: Richard Kind, Barry Bostwick, Colin Mockery, and Brad Sherwood. Talking about the opening of a Disney park. Well, you've got quite a little park here. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is hardly a little park, Mr. Boswick. Disney's California Adventure covers 55 acres and has 22 rides, shows, and attractions. Each one is different. In fact, it's the same size and has an equal amount of attractions as did Disneyland when it opened in 1955. Only different. That is one hell of a qualifier. <laughs> it has as many attractions as this park did 50 years ago. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. They they clearly knew what the press was about about that. Park. It's. So I, I think. It, to... I think it's still California Adventure to its credit and lack of ambition. It did open. It is theme park to open with the most working attractions. Even though some of those attractions were like required no robotics and like just hire someone to look like a farmer. They were, they were very inexpensive. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about that because yeah. were you working there when this this came about? No, I, I was just done. Real quick, though, what you guys didn't hear in that clip, you can't hear the number of Hawaiian shirts visible in, the, in that video. <laughs> John Lasseter shows up, too, to put everyone to shame. Everyone's wearing Hawaiian you shirts. You think but, your um, shirt is Hawaiian? <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Welcome back. Um, Sarah, let's let's be honest. You had you have the, the biggest list here, but it encompassed things Sam likes too, right? And oh, yeah. Me. We watched a lot yeah. of this together, um, both from me watching things and then saying, okay, you got to get on board and watch this with me or stuff that Sam did to said that to me, like, mm. okay, we got to get, you got to get into this. You'll love it. Um, and then stuff we just discovered together. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened with the first show that I'm going to talk about that the first thing that happened with this was that I started watching it early on a Saturday morning because my sister started sending me gifts from it. And she was like, you have to watch this show. It's crazy. You'll love it. And I started watching it because I usually get up a little bit earlier than Sam. And then I was like two or three episodes in. And then Sam woke up and came downstairs and was like, what are you watching? And I paused it and I gave him the rundown. I was like, no, no, let's just start it over. 
I'm going to start from the beginning and we're going to watch this together. And mm. it's um, a real short series, but it's a reality series called Cheer on Netflix. And oh it's a really unlikely watch, I think, for both me and Sam um, because it follows a cheer squad from Navarro College in Corsicana, Texas. And these are elite cheerleading athletes. And it sh it's shows their training. It shows their background. And it shows their coach, who really is this, like, magnificent woman who would just really changes these kids' lives. So I pulled a promo. Um, and this is, this is ironic because Sam and I, as teenagers, were charged with the uh, disappearance of, like, an entire cheerleading squad. We, oh. we were acquitted. We were acquitted. It's, he, Sam's looking at me like, were we? No, I was making a dumb <laughs> joke. You don't, you don't have to overthink this. Okay, I was like, because I'm... <laughs> I don't remember this at all. <laughs> well, and it's ironic for me because as a classical ballet dancer in high school, cheerleaders were my natural enemy. Well, yeah, as, as, a, as a classical, like, uh, 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 skate kid, like, uh, anti-authority, like, cheerleaders were the girl version of jocks, and thus to be like, well... You always want to be nice to him, but shunned in front of other people that you're trying yeah, to impress. You know, it's strange. Like uh, when I was in high school, that uh, sort of 80s trope, like it wasn't really a thing. Dude, I don't it, remember I think cheerleaders being super popular. I think maybe it existed in smaller towns, but that shit was obliterated a long time ago. The people in cheer squads when shit, when I was in college were people who were incredibly athletic. Uh, mm -hmm. They asked me to join as the mascot. I'm like, that might be fun. Like, how do you how do you run a fifty? I'm like, never mind. I'm I, I'm not qualified for this. I I, I don't have that Let me at all. Finish my cigarette. Yeah. and I will give it a shot. I, I don't know how much Adderall can I snort before the before the match. Um, but yeah, cheer, baby, cheer. We only compete once for two minutes and fifteen seconds in Daytona. That it may be your last time in your career. You are a freaking Navarro cheerleader. It's definitely a privilege. We have kids that come from broken home or troubled past. I kind of lost myself. If I wouldn't have came here, I'd be sitting in a jail cell right now. I don't want to like this at all, but the footage is fucking... It reminds me when I watched Friday Night Lights finally, and like, oh, nobody told me this was gorgeous and explosions in the sky is playing all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't want to like, oh, this show's good. And here I am with cheer now. Yeah, and I really like this uh, show because I'm not a reality TV fanatic. I have like criticisms about it. It's a, it's a bit hard for me to like suspend uh, disbelief or whatever the term is, yeah. because you'll see something like, uh, "Oh, let's go surprise Jane at her house," and once I see it's being filmed from inside. Right. Uh, that Jane or whoever is about to be surprised. I'm like, so you have a whole camera crew right. in the house with like an audio rig and video. You get Jane a cake and you get the boom mic on. operator you're over there. <laughs> you're going to have to pretend. But in this, um, I throw all that out the window because the athleticism, this is a real thing. These are real people that can right. do all this stuff. They're going to a real competition. The athleticism that it requires is incredible. Um, it's, it's, probably about as real as you can get one of these things. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I found all the characters very likable or dislikable for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it just, it's authenticity uh, really spoke to me. 
and it's if it's on Netflix. Um, it's not a super long series season too. I think it's only like a handful of episodes, um, and it culminates in their competition in Daytona, Florida, that they compete against um, a whole bunch of other teams throughout the United States. And and it's not like a reality show in you know where people get eliminated and stuff like that. It really just follows this team, kind of like it's like Hard Knocks, but for cheerleading. So how many, um, how many times have you watched this though? Uh, like one and a half times. Basically, so, I watched it like about half of it, and then I watched it the rest. But of But it it's a reality day. show, so who's getting the spinoff? Who's the Honey Boo Boo? <laughs> who's the New York? Well, who, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, and the one thing I will say because I do think it would it's disingenuous to talk about this without mentioning it. One of the people on the cheer squad has subsequently been arrested for child pornography. Oh. Um, so that is something to keep in mind, but none of that is part of the show. I, I hope it's the prettiest girl that, that would be (laughs) such a twist. (laughs) That would be quite the twist. Um, but I don't think that would ruin your enjoyment of the show itself. And it's just a phenomenal display of athleticism and a really interesting watch for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think it's only like like 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not super long. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm going to throw this out here, and this is cheating because I just bitched at Sarah like, Barry's not a 2020 show. Uh, this is not a 2020 show, but it is one of those moments where it's inarguable the world fell in love with it in 2020 because um, it premiered on YouTube Red, a service that no longer exists. Mm. Cobra Kai, I, I have bonded with very strange people online over like how fascinating I find the show, including my girlfriend's parents, whom we don't agree politically, but like I karate kid was the last cinematic universe. I ever wanted to spend another moment in. And I am also one of those recent converts. Like I, in my search to find cool Christmas movies, like less than 10 years ago, I watched karate kid. Cause it's set. The last part is set on Christmas. And like, oh, this is just fucking excellent. Like the same way, like the original Rocky's excellence directed by the same guy. Um, it, it, it's, I don't care about karate. I don't care about any of these people. I didn't grow up loving. I grew up when like karate two was in the theaters watching the cartoon. Like I'm not, I didn't grow up in all the hype, but like, it's an undeniably great movie. The, the rest less so. And then I think Patton Oswalt had a joke about like, Jesus, Ralph Macchio just shows up and starts pushing around this <laughs> this karate champion in front of his girlfriend, and then they Mr. Miyagi tries to take down this Vietnam vet's small business, and like it's this weird meta joke that Cobra Kai becomes. And have you all seen? Have you both seen Karate Kid? So, yes, and mm-hmm. I have. Uh, I'm not going to jump in front of you, but I have watched all the way into season two of Cobra Kai yeah. and not finished it yet. Yeah, yeah, but but like the idea of setting it up from the villain. Um, there's there's a wonderful awareness of tropiness that I think comes from the show and how they use cliches to avoid cliches. I think sometimes the show is uh, pretty cheesy and sure. has poor production values, but like how it's it, it tends to skirt whatever I think they're about to do and does something really yeah. different. And like, well, that kid's going to rise up against his bullies. Oh, no, he's going to become the head bully. That is not what I expected at all. Holy shit. Um, um, uh, and I, I remember I was telling Sarah about uh, uh, Danny LaRusso, uh, LaRusso, Ralph Macchio's, he has a daughter and, he's, and, and he trains her and she wins a fight at school. I'm like, you did it. Good for you. He's like, 
There is no benefit to being a girl and winning a fight ever. I'm just a freak to everybody. Stop doing this. And 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 this is um, Johnny Lawrence. I forget the actor's name, but the real bad guy from Just One of the Guys and Karate Kid, who is this politically incorrect, kind of almost unsympathetic character um, that you're required to watch. And, and, and it's it's fascinating, but his, this is his appraisal of what happened in Karate Kid 1 to lead him to who he is 20 years later. Yeah, and that uh, actor is uh, William Zabka. William, Z- William Zabka. And, and like I can't even tell if he's a great actor, but his face is so familiar if you grew up watching movies in the 80s. Yeah, it's It's fascinating to watch. Summer before my senior year, we got into a fight. I figured we'd work things out eventually. But then Daniel LaRusso came to town. This is it. This is the end of the line. Next thing I know, he's hitting on her. I see the two of them flirting with each other. What did you do? Well, I walked over to have a civil conversation with Allie. What is your problem? Look, why don't you just take your little Cobra Kai's and get out of here? Oh, yeah, right. That's going to solve everything. But Russo kept butting it. I told him to get lost, mind your own business. Out of nowhere, the guy sucker punches. What an asshole. I know, man. I did what any dude would do. I defended myself. Now I figured that was that. But LaRusso wouldn't leave it alone. At the Halloween dance, I'm sitting there minding my own business. He douses me with the water hose. I haven't seen the guy in months. He turns a water hose on my head. So I chase him down, try to put an end to things that night, right? Turns out the guy's got a karate master of his own. Guy comes out of nowhere, jumps us, assaults me and my friends. <laughs> I think my buddy Tommy got brain damage because of that fight. Oh my God. This is one, one episode of just his perspective on the events of the Karate Kid movie, which they show footage of while he's talking. And it's, it's amazing how it warps your opinion of... <laughs> Looking through the lens of Daniel LaRusso as the hero. Like, I love that. They need to do that with every single movie. It's it's, it's the <laughs> dumbest property they could have done it with, but it's fascinating. It, it, it just reminds me of that speech Tim gives at the, at the end of the British office where like he's like, this isn't an ending. Like My life doesn't stop just because there's not cameras around and I'm not talking to you. Different things will happen to me, to all of us, and and they'll just keep going. And that's what I think is fascinating about the Karate Kid, like, uh, or the Cobra Kai. Like, what happens when these li- people's lives keep going? And there are episodes like I'm embarrassed I watched that, and then all those kids in skeleton costumes in the first movie where they go on a fucking road trip to a casino because one of them is dying of cancer. I'm like, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever fucking seen. Yes, and it often like occurred to me that Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macchio, runs a fucking car dealership. Yeah. That is the most chud profession <laughs> there out there. That's <laughs> so <Good> true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like and like they don't Daniel Danielson is not the villain, but is made oh. to look like an unsympathetic douchebag for a little while and then has to like ground himself on occasion. Yes. And then, and then like the whole show, they're like Every time I try and think, like, who's the fucking hero here? Who are we look? Who am I rooting for? I'm like, I'm very confused. And I, 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 I hope the show has a hard end because I don't think I can take this for ve- for very long. But like, it is, it is a fascinating deconstruction on on the kind of pap we grew up in the eight with in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a really interesting follow up. And it's half an hour, so it's very digestible. 
in terms yeah. of binginess. So um, I, 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 there's a lot of faults in Karate Kid. I hate or Cobra Kai. I hate calling it one of my favorite shows of the year, but I, I find it's one of the fascin- most fascinating to talk about. It's 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 just very easy and fun to get into. I don't I don't even know why I stopped watching it. I just made it into season two and just fell off somehow. Yeah, and, and trying to mess around with tropes, it like it really steers away from like all kinds of stereotypes, mm-hmm. and and. I don't know, I, I, especially with young people. Like, I, I haven't seen a show that, like, I felt, I don't want to say dealt well with young people, but, like, it doesn't really group them into things. Like, people switch affiliations all the time, and, like, I don't, I'm sick of this fucking dojo. I didn't sign up for that shit. And, and, and that the, the main character, all of Twitter loves it, but the main character is politically incorrect and awful the whole time. Nah, dude, it's because sure, sure. you're a fucking it's pussy. It's just like, oh, you fucking Zoomers and your Tide Pods. I don't think he ever actually says <laughs> he does, that. He says shit like that. And the, the clip right the before that, like, how did you meet Elizabeth Shue? He's like, I threw fucking milk duds at her. Chicks love it when you do alpha shit, like being mean to him. <laughs> like, that's... Because, and, and his life sucks as a result of his attitude. But he says yeah, yeah. he says genuinely funny like shit. Old dude in a shitty apartment with, like, old pizza and crap sitting around on the counter. But it opens so well in the first episode. I know that's not wasn't a that's not a twenty twenty thing, but just like from the moment he like kicks like the people's everybody's ass like mm-hmm. outside the convenience store, the children's like, asses. Like, cool. <laughs> he kicks so the what? children's asses. He, yeah, I mean he's yes, beating he up kids, <laughs> but they're mixed, so it's like very satisfying. Yeah, it, it, and it, it's all incredibly weird how he grew up as a rich kid, but only because his mother married a stepfather. And she's dead, so he's not really a rich person. It's kind of incredible how it mixes all these 80s tropes into something that make us think a little more about how we judge one another. Yeah, it's like a sort of breakfast club effect or something. Yeah, yeah, but without, without like, laying it on pretty thick, and the show lays a lot of things on pretty thick, it is... (laughs) But, but Sarah, on to your best of show. Oh, well, the next show is one that... um... Sam and I also watched together, and I think it's probably my favorite show of 2020 overall, just all together. Um, and it's I May Destroy You on HBO. Mm. This show was absolutely phenomenal. It It's uh, the story. It's written and created by uh, Michaela Coel, who also did a, previously did a show called, I believe, Chewing Gum, which I never watched, but was also very critically acclaimed. Uh, but it's, this, it's set in London. And it's the story of uh, she's a writer, a young writer, um, and she is writing her second book. She's kind of like this millennial icon. And she goes out one night and has a wild night and doesn't remember what happens. And then the rest of the sh- and but some sort of something awful did happen. And the rest of the show is both the story of her life and then overarching her trying to piece together what happened to her and and then her dealing with that. Um, and with the help of her friends who are played by uh, Ruche Opia and Papa Esadu. And it is just absolutely phenomenal. It's really funny. It's mm. also extremely dark and it deals with sexual assault a lot um so if that's a trigger for you it's definitely something to be aware of because pretty much every episode deals with it both explicitly and implicitly um and also deals with varying levels of assault that people can experience um and so you know if that's something that you're really sensitive to definitely be aware of it but i also would say that it's it, the darkness is not overwhelming because it's also very funny and it also just shows the 
process the way people process assault. Um, so I pulled a little bit of the trailer. Oh, neat. I just want to show fun. I don't know. Cool, where did you get that? I just wanted to know, how, how did last night end? I've got this thing in my head of like this guy. Because now you're you're calling it something that I never. How are you doing? I'm great as long as I'm around people. I did to uh, you know just gather the pieces, any of the pieces. Mm. Hmm. And. Um, one of the things I saw a lot online is people comparing it to Fleabag in a lot of ways. And I do think that's an apt comparison in one way. And then another way, it's kind of annoying because it's like just because it's by a young female British, you know, TV writer doesn't mean that we have to just say that they're like comparison. But I do think that if you do like Fleabag, you'll also enjoy this. Um, Does the main character get fucked in the ass in the first scene? Because that's why I love Fleabag so much. It's the only series (laughs) I've ever seen that's done that in the the first scene. (laughs) No. It's definitely a little darker than that. Yeah, Fleabag is great. To me personally, I consider these shows to be like wildly different. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I'm trying to remember, it's been a bit since we saw that, like it was earlier in the year. Do they do the um, first person narration thing in this? I can't remember. I can't, I don't think so. Like, yeah, yeah in Fleabag, there's a lot of like talking right to right. the camera. Right? She's Ferris yeah. Buellering the whole time. Yeah, um, that's not part of the show, but it's definitely my overall absolute favorite of this season of this year and I, definitely one I want to go back and revisit. It's gorgeous too, by right. the way. I mean, the costumes and you know the out the fashion and everything it's shot beautifully it's shot very interestingly there's a lot of like fantasy sequences and flashback sequences um and it's just really gripping and just deals with assault in a way that i've never seen before uh just showing all the different facets of it yeah, well it it, <clears throat> it reminded me of some, like the, the kind of show i'm having a hard time watching which normally i really like and i know i really like them uh is it is search party in your honorable mentions? Um, oh, it, it should be, but it's not. But absolutely, yeah. I, I, the third season came out this year. The fourth season is out right now, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a show that no one had heard of and would like. And it turns out once it hits a streaming service, people will watch it. But it was on TBS, and no one mm-hmm. really gave a fuck. And I I've always described it as kind of like a millennial Seinfeld with a murder mystery, like a mm-hmm. self important hipster young people but it's it's funny and scary and i uh and flight attendant and these are all on hbo by the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) these are all on hbo max i find myself like i get tired of watching them like fucking asshole going to a bar when none of us can go to bars i'm like they didn't know (laughs) that when they filmed this they're they're just trying to show life don't get mad at these young people Ah, these young people in their bars uh (laughs) i want to go to bars um but yeah, things that are like deeply funny, but have to have. I, I think that's. I don't have a good thesis on this, but like, I think that's how you pitch a show nowadays. You need funny characters in a brutal, depressing premise. Mm-hmm. And in order to. And I. Brockmeyer and Search Party to me are. I find them fascinating because it's clear that people had a one season scenario. Mm-hmm. And the, the decisions they've made to take the. where they take these characters is weird and hilarious. And I don't know if I can handle that for that many seasons, but like their four seasons are all very interesting. 
And I haven't yeah. finished Flight Attendant yet, but I, I, I would give it an honorable mention too. It's in my honorable mention as well. Um, and I do, I think that, the, yeah, that's the key to it. I mean, the pathos, I think, is what really hits at the heart of a lot of us right now because we are, as millennials, we have experienced so much tragedy in our young lives and, and you know, discomfort and, and discord Death. that I think that really hits us right where we, that we don't have a lot of, um, you know, cheers doesn't hit the same way, right. even though I love cheers, but that's not the type. I, of I feel like I'm watching something in a, in a, in a void where I, where I think about where we are and what we're doing when I see, I've watched some of these shows and I had to put off flight attendant for a little while just cause like, this is like the most graphic novelty television show I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I, I hate people hallucinating characters who aren't there to have a dialogue with, but this is more interesting than that. As in like, I don't want to talk to you. Why am I talking to you? Um, That I, and and like a really, it's a comedy with a lot of flight attendant, a comedy with a lot of murder, but a really weird look at alcoholism. And I'm like eight episodes in and then like homegirl has not stopped. Um, Oh, I loved, I mean, I, Flight Attendant is on my honorable mention just because I already had so many other things that I loved. And I, you know, Flight Attendant, Sam and I watched together, and I think you can agree with this, um, babe, that yeah. like, yeah. it was a show we enjoyed watching, but <laughs> we weren't like every night, like, we gotta watch the next episode, we gotta watch the next episode, you know? Yes, so, yeah, it, it, it took a little bit to get through each one. <laughs> Right, and so that's why we didn't. I didn't put it in our, you know, best of best of. I wish I had a a better angle than like Seinfeld or like a Larry Dave because she's a mentally capable person, but like every time she does something, like, ooh, is that really what you want to do right now? All right, Mm -hmm. I get to just watch and not talk. Um, That oh, see, I told you that was a terrible idea. Uh, Big Bang Theory, girl, I told you. Yeah, and I, I don't feel like, if I recall correctly, I don't think the trailer mentions her alcohol problems, or yeah. at least like, no. yeah. So I don't not, think it does. And unexpected. I really love their treatment of alcoholism right. and the way that they depicted that. I thought it was pretty actually realistic. Um, fascinating. And, and, and yeah, really yeah. interesting. And how that can be like an inherited thing from your family, not just genetically, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. In, in a uh-huh. way that my alcoholism is not fascinating. You're welcome. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yes, yours is very boring. <laughs> Sporadic. Go a week without doing it. Anyway, um, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'll pull this up here. Um, this is my favorite clip from television of the entire year, 2020 period. And I've sent it both to you guys. And then we have N-word scissor hands. Hey, 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 what's up? Y'all niggas want to fade? So <laughs> the introduction of N-word scissor hands on the Eric Andre show, as he's introducing new characters in front of a boring guest who's a psychic, uh, Eric Andre, this is the year of Eric Andre for me. If you've seen Bad Trip, if you've seen Netflix's Legalize Everything, uh, one of the funniest comedy specials Netflix has. Um, the Eric Andre show was great. Hannibal Burris quit, but you had so many. The season finale was Stormy Daniels. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. This this is like my blind spot. I have so, somehow not watched this fucking show. I have seen Bad Trip, and it was great from the moment he gets his like clothes sucked off of his body. Yes. First scene. <laughs> First scene. But I, yeah. I, I sent you some, the, the attack... <laughs> 
Mac DeMarco attack DeMarco clips. Um, it's a it's in it's both uh, it's a to- it's faked as a talk show, but it is a at its heart a prank show. But it is Space Ghost Coast to Coast interrupted with clips that clearly took like all day to film, but you get 50, 54 seconds of a giant fucking prank. One of my favorite being he rode his bike up a ramp and then got caught on the third story ledge of a fire escape in New York. And this is him just pleading with unsuspecting people below. Help me, help. I try to do a trick to get on Instagram to get a Sprite sponsorship to impress my son. No, don't call the cops. My son's calling me. Can you just grab it? That's my son calling. Okay. Hello? And I'm just trying to co-parent in a difficult situation right now with a stepdad, Dennis, and he got in my head before the jump. Don't move. stories as people are trying to help him fake shit drips through his leg (laughs) these pranks are like what i didn't even have i couldn't the clip didn't make a ton of sense where he just runs out into central park with a baby bjorn on his chest a falconeer's glove and he's covered in blood and welts and like the falcon stole my baby I stole its yeah, eggs. <laughs> that, that whole shtick is somehow done very well to the point where I appreciate it, which is surprising because I fucking hate pranks in real life. I, I, mm-hmm. I do not like being pranked by anybody, but it is just very amusing the way um, the way he does it. I, that the prank of the falconeer baby prank ended with a remote control. What's the thing you carry kids in? I'm losing my mind. Um, a stroller. A uh, stroller. A remote control stroller in the lake at Central Park with a fake falcon on the top. I'm like, oh, here they are. Never mind, everyone. The falcon did not kill my baby. It doesn't do it justice. Stormy Daniels is the season finale guest, and they constantly interrupt her and like, it's time for the rest of the interview, and just blow confetti all over her. <laughs> just watch like, oh, man. Most of it is unsuspecting reality show people and people who don't know they're on a prank show. It is endlessly entertaining. Um, Eric Andre's had the best... He's made the best content of the year for me that really allowed me to disconnect from everything. Rapper Warrior Ninja Forever, (laughs) where he makes people rap on obstacle courses. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I love this show. Not only did I love every episode of it, I've watched every episode, I think, at least three times. Wow. Um, It's... And most of it is on YouTube officially from Adult Swim. So I encourage you to check it out. They're 11-minute episodes. I will close out the entire episode with a, its Muppet Show finale song. Life is stupid. Do whatever. <laughs> uh, you could die or live forever. My girlfriend and I sing that all the time. We're huge Eric Andre fans. Um, to me, it was the perfect antidote to being inside. Just like weird anarchy. Uh, like it was shot right before the pandemic. I was super shocked by that because it it kind of unspooled into like the later the latter year. Like how did you how do you trick people on camera when we're all wearing masks? And you sort of realize like you know everything's television shows are shot very 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 long in advance as opposed to network shows, which typically were shot like three weeks beforehand. Except for I, I you told me something about Grey's Anatomy that the gray in the show is in a coma of due to COVID. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. 
they're really they're really going for it and we i just uh the new season of 911 just started up which again i have to i recommended this last year and i'm gonna recommend it again it's really fun Mm -hmm. and it um they're addressing covid now too like stay-at-home orders and evacuating people from areas what how do you do that when you have stay-at-home orders very interesting um, yeah, I'm just, and I'm not usually like into like more wholesome stuff like that, but I love that show. I cannot yeah. stop. I cannot look away when it's on. Yeah, I love nine one one. What you got, Sarah Bear? What else? Oh, so this is like tied with Shit's Creek, which I'm going to talk about in a second, as one of my most joyful watching experiences of the year, and that was Ted Lasso. I, I knew it. Loved every fucking second of this show. Like yeah. it was just a joy from top to bottom. Just and and I, looking into it now, I mean it's created by Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs and Cougar Town and Spin City. It's, it's and a so, it's, it's a commercial pitchman from like eight years ago. Yeah, it's so it, weird. It's 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 odd to see myself champion a marketing character in one of the f- most feel good shows of the year. But it was, I, I I the clip I was trying to grab, but I'm not subscribing to Apple Plus. They, someone just insults Ted Lasso in his face. You're a stupid fucking wanker. You're the dumbest man who's ever lived. He's like, imagine how he's gonna feel when we change his mind. And like, yeah, like like that's symbolic of the whole series. He doesn't take any any insult too seriously. And like that guy's gonna learn. Um, and it's he does such an amazing job of projecting this relentless optimism and kindness and mm-hmm. sweetness without it being. Like he's Buddy the Elf from Elf. Like it's, it still feels <laughs> he's, genuine. He's not he's delusional. Still, he's not worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, and so it's just a bright ray of sunshine. Um, Oi, mate, there's you. I believe it is. Wicked. You coaching football. You are a legend for doing something so stupid. I mean, it's mental. They're going to murder you. This is a bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club, despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose. Or tie. Right, y'all do ties here. (laughs) Uh, I laughed out loud every single episode. I wanted to not like this show. Because it's an Apple series and it's based on a commercial pitchman, and um, it won me over, and I can totally see myself watching it. it especially, it's a comedy at a half an hour length. Yes, um, exactly. And and I will watch it again because yeah. it, it's two it's movies. Such a joy. It's it's two movies back to back. So like it's yeah. it's completely fun. I would like to go back and actually watch it. I only caught like bits and pieces of it, uh, but it, it's. Uh, it, 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 I'm sorry, I still have COVID brain, but <laughs> it's, uh, Bonus time. it was very enjoyable what I saw of it. It's much better than something like King Ralph or <laughs> that is up this year in 302010. I can't wait to watch that and talk oh, about it. With Sarah. it? Oh, yes, my God. yes. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would definitely recommend the show. I just, uh, you know, yeah, I it's, it's a it's a fish out of water story, like King King Ralph, a guy anointed to take care of these English people, and I don't I don't know that English people are more cynical. They're just sports fans. They feel like sport, like sports fans. They hate Ted Lasso, this American footy ball coach who goes over to coach a footy ball, what we would know a soccer team in England. And there are reasons behind that. And everybody wants Ted Lasso to fail. And everyone he meets, he convinces to like 
I feel bad for wanting him to fail, even though it's yeah. my job to make him fail. Um, Including the owner. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that disarming charm about him. Yeah. Yeah. The owner of the club is kind of point of it is that she wants him to fail because she wants the club to fail. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's literally a ray of fucking sunshine in a horrible year. I 100% recommend it. um, It's very strange. It has Karate Kid movie kind of vibes, like a Rocky kind of movie. Um, Yeah. Everything's stacked against him. He slowly converts everyone around him. Uh, to be on a side, and Rocky's a really good comparison. Mm-hmm. Eh, whatever, um, but yeah, I, 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 it's impossible not to like this show. Yeah, it's so good. It, I and, and yeah, just can't say enough good things. I've been recommending it to everyone. Yeah. Um, I've been recommending it to everyone who gets a better cell phone plan because don't pay for Apple TV. It, it don't have enough on their platform. It sucks. See, see if you can find another way to watch it. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah. It's great. And there are two other shows I just wanted to mention that we didn't pull clips from, but I still thought were fantastic new shows this year that I wanted to mention. Um, Mm -hmm. First one was Normal People, which was on Hulu. Um, It's a, I actually ended up watching it just because I read the book that it, the novel that it's based on last year. It's based on a novel um, by Sally Rooney, who's like a very hip young author right now and i absolutely love the book Mm -hmm. um and this i was kind of skeptical about the show but it ended up being a really fun and interesting watch um it's an irish drama and it's about these two young people from high school who are from opposite ends of the socioeconomic spectrum um this young woman who is you know very well off and the and a young man who's his mom is her housekeeper and they form a friendship and a relationship and it kind of follows them as they go through college and, um, you know, their feelings for each other. And it's a very feelingsy show, um, but it is really horny too. <laughs> feelingsy is- and horningsy. I feel way drunker than I am just trying to say those words. Feelingsy <laughs> and hornysy. Very hot. Um, so, there's that going for it. But mm. yeah, it's just, I think it's a really interesting exploration of um, two friends who also love each other and are attracted to each other, but feel like they can't be together and how that changes over the years. And um, it really it does a great portrayal of human emotion and how hard it is to be a young person and figure out like what you want your relationships and your life to look like and how that all fits in together. And also um, it's fucking hot as hell. So mm. Yeah. It's Hulu, and so there's like body parts on it and everything. You see a lot, um, so it's great for whatever reason you want to watch it. Well, uh, and oh, sorry, yeah. And then I just had one last one that Sam and I watched together, and I did not realize this was 2020. I had to go back and look because we watched it right at the beginning of the year. But on Netflix, there was a dating reality series called Love is Blind that was so stupid (laughs) and so much fun to watch. Um, But it's basically like these people agree to live in these pods for like, I think, several weeks. And they just communicate with each other without seeing each other for a very long time. And then they finally get to see each other. They ask Someone proposes marriage, and then then they get to actually see each other and see what each other oh, looks boy. like, and then it follows them afterwards and all the way up to the wedding. The divorces. Oh, oh, y'all! <laughs> it's dramatic as fuck. <laughs> I w- if you want something that's very stupid and very dramatic, but also very fun to watch, 
this is the show for you. I would 100% do not look up anything about anyone who's on it because you don't want to be spoiled for what happens to their relationships after they leave their pods. But it was really fun. It's only 10 episodes. Fuck that. As as a fucking podcaster, this is the show I'm meant to be on. I Oh, can I manipulate this lady with my voice? Or man... Yes, I can. Can I follow it up physically with actions? Absolutely not. Like they, mm. <laughs> this woman will yeah. hate me within a week. This is one of those shows like Cheer, where I just have that like pandemic brain, where like I swore that this was a 2019 show. It <laughs> felt like it was so long ago that I saw yeah. it, but it hasn't even been a year. But yeah, it is very fun uh, for a uh, reality TV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't generally love dating reality shows i don't watch uh, the bachelor or anything like the bachelorette or anything like that and this just kind of i kept seeing people talk about it on twitter and you know seeing gifts from it i was like all right fine i'll check it out um and yeah it's really fun and it's really dumb and it's on <laughs> well, I, I was gonna segue from, and it's full of thumbs, so there you go. <laughs> i was gonna segue from ted lasso into a show i like that was it was about relentless positivity but it was from people who aren't always relentlessly positive um, it was the show from Fred Armisen, Tim Heidecker, and John C. Riley, who are all writing the show and producing it too. And it's a very small show called Moonbase Eight <laughs> about losers who work in NASA who just want to go to the moon, and they'll simulate going to the moon and living on the moon somewhere in like California or Texas, but like you know, raccoons keep stealing their oxygen and, like, and, and and things like that. But it's like, it's, it's one of those weird shows that like, uh, go, from the last 10 years, it's evolved. We're like, well, these people aren't all incompetent and they're not mm-hmm. all stupid. Bad things befall them and they're not mean to one another. So they don't backstab one another. Um, it's all relentlessly positive, but they're all kind of dipshits. And, um, but it's, they're ding dongs, they're ding dongs, but they're incredibly kind to one another, yeah. uh, at all times and, and so show surprising competence, but in the trailer it was like it completely indicative. They're on a moon base simulation as they watch all their friends and colleagues go to the moon before them. And they just sit, sit there in a billion dollar NASA project. So they're not really struggling. Uh, but it's, it's three of the funniest people I've ever seen in my entire life with fun guest stars uh, pretending to be on the moon somewhere on Earth. Welcome to Moon Base 8. This is a very valuable NASA research project. Launch sequence beginning in 9, 8, 9, 7, 8, 6, five, Stand by, let's sync four, up. 4, 3, Abort. Stand by, Cap. Launching. No, 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 no. Yeah! So that, that is like the most symbolic of the series. Like, uh, uh, no one's in sync. Um, I don't know. Like, a, a very it's, it's very Ted Lasso y to me. It was much I different than I thought. I watched the first couple episodes of it and really enjoyed there it. There are like yeah. six episodes, and I watched it only because I got Showtime for 99 cents so my girlfriend could watch Shameless. So I just wanted to give a small shout out to Moonbase 8. I thought it was amazing. You know what? Um, and, and is it my turn? I can't remember, but um, I'm gonna bring it to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. It feels hack and cliche to talk about it, but it is the best TV moment in almost the entire year for me. Is he speaking? Do you understand him? In a way. 
Grogu and I can feel each other's thoughts. Grogu? Yes. That's his name. baby yoda and i just no it was your wanted, year of the baby yoda by the it's way it's true it's like, true i it, for me it was actually honestly it's only been like the last couple of months because sam and i finally got around to actually watching the mandalorian like in december like starting from the very i beginning. find but that's what i find the most exciting i i would i, I always told sam like it doesn't lean on a lot of star wars canon and, and like you need to like star wars and like in most my favorite thing I can say about it is most of the lore you love, they either shoot it or eat it in the first <laughs> season and then have a bunch of really fun guest stars. But um, you got bit by the bug despite like, you're not fucking crazy about Star Wars. You've seen a few. You've se- probably seen the movies. Yeah, uh, no, I've seen well, Sarah. all the new movies. And it's like, I liked the new movies and I love The Mandalorian. It's just like for me to sit down and watch anything having to do with Star Wars, like when I hear the word Star Wars, even though I saw all the movies when I was a child, mm-hmm. I, I cannot hear the word Star Wars and not think cruel Gamergate dorks. <laughs> <laughs> very hard for me to, to like step, you know, just jump into the swimming pool and watch something. I, you know, I got I got to tell you though, but I, my memories of star, watching Star Wars, one of the big ones is with your brother. Yeah, no, he, like, you know, uh, my brother, who's technically my half-brother, is, like, a little over 10 years older than me. And so he got to see Star Wars, like, the 70s Star Wars. Yeah, he was a little kid. In the fucking theaters. And was a Star Wars fanatic. And 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 we we talk about this on Sick of Star Wars, but, again, I think part of the magic of Star Wars is... um, when you're a little kid, you're not just watching a movie. They're like, no, these movies are important. And Carrie Fisher today will tell you other important. I remember your brother like, no, no, stop playing games. Come watch how they made the laser sound effects in Star Wars. And he like brought us into the other room and like, guys, this is important. And we're like, you know, you and I are like 14 years old. and like, yeah, Star Wars is kind of cool. Dark Forces, though, is out right now. So leave us alone. Um, but, <laughs> but but he's like, no, watch how, watch how they made Star Wars. Your brother did that to us. Yeah, and it, it is very impressive. Even if you see, I mean, if you were like us growing up in the 80s and mm-hmm. saw the like non-upgraded versions with all the extra CGI and all that mm-hmm. shit, um, there was nothing like that back then. Right. It's always crazy seeing one of those movies that looks so amazing and then you go back to other stuff from the era and see these special effects and you're like, how did they do this? And then everything else looks like shit. Yeah. It's like comparing a lot of stuff to like a James Cameron movie. I mean, they, they uh, created an effects house out of it. If you're not listening to sick of star Wars, cause yeah. um, they had to, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how, like, how did this, how, what did this do that star Wars movies didn't for Sarah for you to care about it? Um, I mean, for me with star Wars in general, it's always about more about being able to speak in the cultural conversation than mm-hmm. actually being having this be like something that really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've seen the star Wars and I mean, you know, 
it's fine. It's you've you know, never sounded like such a mom to me. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I love my boys enjoying Star Wars. Just good. a 1970s cocaine space opera. So I mean, like it's it's good. It's good. But you know, I wanted to be part of the cultural conversations. So I was like, let's. And I knew I knew that the Mandalorian is good entertainment. It just didn't. It it never. I didn't feel like oh my god, I've got to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. And then when I did. I couldn't stop watching it because I don't know. It's just fucking great. It's just well-made. It looks amazing. I think you described it as like a Western, basically. It's a a Western. Like whatever Leonardo DiCaprio is doing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Bounty Law, it is sort of that. I'm here to to collect, man. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That kind of shit. And I think talking to Sam, like, I I don't remember what got you to watch it again, but I think we are – men who like tech and like it is shot in a way that will revolutionize everything we see after this. Um, the idea of the led green screen, the movie. Oh, oh, that, that was very impressive. But yeah. you know, what got me to watch it again is just like my wife, whose taste I trust just, you know, promoted it greatly. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, just finally, I think I just jumped in while she was watching it or something. I'm like, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Cause I, I watched the first episode with you and I was like, yeah, it, that's fine. I, I mean, I, that's I'll, what I remember I'll, saying. I feel nothing. I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And, but it, yes, in retrospect, uh, excuse me, retrospect, uh, after having seen it in its entirety, watching that led just projection thing, I was like, that is some, that is some Star Wars shit right, right there. I that mean, that's that like is that is revolutionizing. It's revolutionizing like. revolutionizing filmmaking the same way it did in 1977 um, yeah. and, and, and 2020. And it's astonishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry that little fucking Grogu is the cutest thing mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's like that weird scientific reaction that happens where it's like you see something so cute it makes you kind of angry. Right. I know what you're talking cuz like, you like uh, uh, <laughs> our 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 uh, my my girlfriend's parents got us a talking baby Grogu. And whenever we hit it, the cats go crazy cuz it only <laughs> makes baby noises. It's like oh, oh, oh. And the cats just like look at it and they want to bat it, but it's like their instincts know like this is a baby. And we we think yeah. it's 50 years old and we're gonna give it a name this season. And that's why yeah. I played that clip. Was, they they gave them so they much. gave baby Yoda a name this season. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Yoda is so much like an uh an alien kitten or something where it's just yeah. like I'm so tiny. I'm so <laughs> I just need such Put me all cozy in my little... I need you to protect me until I use all my Jedi powers and get tired really fast. (laughs) I get so sleepy after I use my Force. Yeah, it's so cute. And I kept saying to people when I was watching it, like, it's so fun to think about there's a whole person, a team of people, whose whole job was how do we make this thing as cute as possible? It's like, okay, well, we got to make the eyes a little lower, closer together. We got to make the ears like a little bit shade. And you, I just, you oh, know, my. there were probably like hundreds there was of that, There was that story of, uh, of, of Werner Herzog saying like, if you do not make this a puppet and do it CG, then you are you're doing a disservice to all of <laughs> life on this planet. Like make it a puppet, be it, have it be here. And, and like 
their Christmas special was showing like Robert Rodriguez, who directed the big Boba Fett episode, playing guitar next to a puppet baby Yoda who can like dance and do stuff uh, next to people. It doesn't take a outfit of CGI people to bring baby Yoda to life. And I'm, I'm just imagining Adam from Padukan and sick of Star Wars strangling me because he's Grogu. He has a name. Call him his name. Well, I also the whole the series has Amy Sedaris in it, and yep. honestly, that was kind of the tipping point for me. Once I realized Amy Sedaris is in this, I'm like, "All right, I'll watch it." And you Damn said it. it like Amy Sedaris. Okay, yeah. okay, I'll I got I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. And you don't have to make my pinky all stinky. I'll fucking watch <laughs> it. Uh, I love it. Like Amy Sedaris, by the way, a very attractive woman. I feel like. Was it her idea, like make me as ugly as possible in this? She she, she tends to do that in like everything she does. She does. I think. Uh, who's her brother? The author. What is David Sedaris. David Sedaris. Yes, I remember reading one of his books and just him talking about his sister, how she would just like intentionally put on like fat suits and just like make yeah. herself disgusting on purpose for shits and giggles. That's, I was do- I was doing something from my college report and like um there was a picture of her in something and. Like, oh, you can see her butt in this picture, and she's naked. But like, oh, that's it. I, I looked at her butt first. I didn't see she had a hook for an arm. She <laughs> she that she put that on her body, <laughs> in her even in her in her most glamorous shots. It has the best cast in television. Oh, yeah. Um, Timmy just because like Ooh. Timmy Oliphant, uh, uh, Carl Weathers, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, doing uh, Bill Burr. Like, I, my my buddy thought, oh, yeah. my buddy thought the. Second to last episode was he's like that's the last episode, guys. I thought it was pretty good. And like, really, you thought the Bill Burr story closing up? Ah, oh, yeah, I'm free to go. Thanks so much. I'm just this fucking space Boston's gonna be happy to see me. Thanks everyone. Um, Going to get my space Duncan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look me up next time you're in space Boston. I'm gonna go <laughs> dump on some space queers out here in fucking Rigel Seven. I gotta pay my space alimony this. Bitch is taking me out. But he had uh, he had a out. remarkably wonderful arc. That was fucking amazing. Yeah. That that second okay. to last episode. And and somebody, I think it was our sick of Star Wars friends, pointed out like, uh, yeah, you can only be in here if you take your helmet off. And like, uh, he's like, whatever. But like, it's such a dumb plot point, but ended with such a wonderful thing. And every episode was like that. Carl Weathers directed the most action-packed episode of the series, the wow. fourth one, where yeah. they they siege that uh, um, stationary uh, whatever. But, like, I, Mandalorian has been one of those things, like, I I rarely watch something twice waiting for the new one, and I have done that with Mandalorian multiple times, and I still can't spoil the end of this season. I don't know what they do now. I Yeah, that's I, true. I don't, and, 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 but I think that's the hallmark of a, a good creative decision where, like, these guys can't be pals forever. Like, um, they all, they both have different destinations and maybe they'll meet back up together, but they have to be apart for a little while. And again, I'm trying not to spoil, <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil everything, but, but it's all, all also really weird because, um, people our age didn't spend a ton of time with the Dave Filoni animated series and that shit yeah sam's blinking his eyes like 
Dave Filoni is the uh, executive producer of Mandalorian, um, and he okay. he was one of the head. He's like George Lucas's right hand man. Knows a lot about the lore or wherever it was going before it was bought by Disney, and that's why we saw so many characters like Rosario Dawson's um, Ashika and um, Bo Katan from Katie Sackoff. Those are all characters from the cartoon of the mid two thousands, brought to life in live action by very famous actors. Um, and they're also characters, people who think they, you know, who think they know Canon star Wars have no idea who they are. Um, that's, that's why I played that, that clip because, um, they're making all of star Wars important, uh, mainstream star Wars important. Cause George Lucas, I don't want to say let the ball drop, but like, wasn't that interested in monetizing it to the extent that Disney was and making it all simultaneously interesting. And that is happening now. And like the season finale of Mandalorian was like, not only are we branching out into weird worlds in this show, we are announcing a new show that we didn't announce the star Wars conference a, a month ago. Um, with there's a Boba Fett show coming and oh, wow. I would love like, someone like your brother, Sam, I would love to talk to because like Boba Fett was introduced in star Wars to be the new badass. He was the new Darth Vader. And then he was murdered in, and, uh, return of the Jedi. I think Jeremy described, he was literally thrown away because George Lucas got tired of him. And, but it was something younger people in the seventies, like hyped up. This guy's going to be the best new badass that's ever lived. Uh, he looks so fucking cool. And then he gets thrown in the Sarlacc pit and you never hear of him again. Um, yeah. And, but it is weird. Now he's kind of in a way getting his nowadays. Right. And, and like in a way, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing what the new trilogy was supposed to do. And I keep seeing terrible rumors, by the way, that, that they're going to retool Disneyland to be more like Mandalorian, which I wouldn't mind because some of those rides are based on things we thought after the last Jedi that were shit completely on a last Skywalker. And like some of these characters are not very scary anymore, but anyway, anyway, but Mandalorian was like, it's joyous. It is absolutely joyous. And then Sarah actually somehow mustered the, <laughs> how did you enjoy, you enjoyed it? Like that's proof enough for me that it, 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 it it's worthy it's to be true. in this episode. It's pretty I mean, universal. It's genuinely, excuse me, genuinely well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my sister loved it. And they're also like the furthest thing from sci-fi fans too. And they absolutely loved it. No, so it's really just a universal delight. I think it deserves credit for that. Because a lot, a lot yeah, of people like my, my parents, like my dad will stream stuff if Comcast adds the streaming app to their shit. But even he's like, Mandalorian, how do I watch this? And like, oh, mm-hmm. buy you a Roku, you fucking idiot. Why are you streaming through a Comcast box? Um. Other than that, I, w- I was going to segue into uh, another sci-fi series people yeah. may not associate with this year, but it, or the previous year, but it was um, Picard. Have you ever been a stranger to yourself? Many, many times. Nearly two decades ago, Commander Data sacrificed his life for me these past few years i really tried to belong here 
but it never truly felt like home. Do you know who I am? Everything inside of me says that I'm safe with you. Admiral, I have encountered a woman. She came to me for help. I think, it, Sammy, did we talk about this on a bonus time? Like, I, I could not stop talking about Picard. And it feels like four fucking years ago. I had to go back and check because I thought it was a show that I started watching in 2019, but it it really did premiere at the end of January. I knew I was watching it in March, and it's like mm. one of those shows, like because I watched it very relig- uh, religiously as it came out, and then it's like it ended, and then it's like fucking pandemic right after that. Because uh, yeah, like it was um, shit. I thought it maybe premiered the last week of December, but it, like every almost every episode of it was in 2020. And I, I mean, I had to go back and look it up and its premiere was like at the end of January and it didn't, it didn't do the Netflix thing. It was a week to week show. So yeah. when you saw seven of nine or number two and every other number person, hmm. um, it was all unspooled in a weekly order. And it was, um, I, I was telling you, like I, I, during the pan, like when when we got to the end of it, the pandemic was starting, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch every Borg thing that's ever existed because I had plenty of time to do that, and I had time to start Deep Space Nine, which, yeah, and Borg stuff is huge in uh, Star Trek Voyager as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, there's a ton of it out there. Am I the only one of us th- uh, three that actually finished this series? No, I I've watched every yeah. episode almost twice. Oh, okay, you mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. because I absolutely adored this show. I thought it was. I, I thought the first two episodes were the fastest things, the most well written things I've ever seen in my whole life. They yeah. moved outlandishly fast because they had to, like it wasn't like Picard was the character you knew that you weren't surrounded with new with with old characters, um, and it had described like ah you've been disgraced because this Mars incident, and um, work from there. Yeah, I mean, he builds an entirely new crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seven of Nine is not a new character, but is new to Picard. I don't recall them ever being in anything together in the prior series. Um, but I found the crew to be like incredibly likable. The show is going to go on. It may only run like three seasons, but um, I adored the show. And I know like some hardcore Trek nerds have a lot of criticisms about it. And I would just say... Fuck you, sad boys. The show is amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it like reached a conclusion, and it's just like that wasn't satisfying. But like, I don't know what I was looking for. Like going into the show, like mm-hmm. how how the fuck are you supposed to this? Is this show supposed to end TNG now? That's not gonna happen. And my mother, my mother, who has I didn't realize has watched TNG almost every day since oh, the airing Lord. until right now. Someone's excited about going to Rikers Island. No. <laughs> uh, but oh, she, I told her this exists, and she's like, "That's fine. I don't. It's nice." And like, you watch TNG every day, and she's just like, I, "I'm not." She didn't seem to ha- be interested in watching this, and so like, I understand some sort of Star Trek fans like, "Well, this has to interrupt my head canon or my, uh, my comfort viewing." And and it does sort of do that. And okay, uh, not for me. I don't think it disrupts like 
what you knew of these characters. It's just taking you into a dark day of the Federation post TNG post pretty much everything else. Well, I uh, haven't watched, I haven't watched a ton of um, um, Deep Space Nine, but like I have not seen the Federation falter in my eyes to this extent. Uh, it will definitely do that in DS9 because uh, Deep Space Nine is much more, I've, I've said this before in episodes, it is mm-hmm. a war saga and not in a more lighthearted way like MASH was. It is very much a war story where there's like a lot of like morally questionable decisions have to be made. Um, and that's also, I guess, sort of what the Federation becomes in this. Like in Deep Space Nine, they end up sort of getting their own like CIA service and stuff like that to deal with their Dominion War. Mm-hmm. And it kind of plugs in well with what the but, Federation But not very about. mashy. Hey, why doesn't everybody sit down and have some Romulan ale with me? Come on, it'll be fun. It'll be great. Your Alan Alda sounds a little Tony Soprano, but I know what you're doing there. God damn it! Don't do not let the audience know they're the same impression. Don't. <laughs> I can see though why. Um, I mean, the tone of TNG is very different from Picard, and and I can see, you know, it's just different. It and no, there, there's a tone of Picard that, that that like no, the Federation failed, and so did Picard. Mm-hmm. And and you don't get that if you watch the show from beginning to end. Sure, but what prevails in Picard that was true in TNG is that the Picard character is still who he is. He's Mm -hmm. just as much as uh, virtuous as he was before then. And if you followed Patrick Stewart's real life um, in the last 10 years, it's sort of personified there as well. He's like just a good, decent person, and he brings that to the character. And you can, I feel like can even more emotionally plug in with that. And I could I could not agree with you more. The thing I watched today was uh, Patrick Stewart, his wife filming him getting a COVID vaccine. We've been in line for four hours. Thank you for your service. It's just, I <laughs> appreciate that. And like, this is like, wow, Picard just got vaccinated. And is waiting forever and is still the nicest human being I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, I just love him so much. Yeah. And he is through and through that character in this show. I would highly recommend if you aren't that into it, just do it anyway. Uh, you, I, if this I is loved not it. real direct to you, also do it anyway. It's I loved it. And it, it was the catalyst that shot me back into Star Trek stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, in the pandemic. Because, like, you know, getting into a Star Trek show is fucking daunting. It's, it's always 120 hours. In, in like no matter what show you're dealing with mm-hmm. and and but like the Borg stuff has always been incredibly fascinating much more fascinating when we're dealing with a cult of people who will take over things when they don't get their way um, <laughs> uh, but but like it's always been fascinating and I wanted to see I, I love that like the same way they de-enemized the Klingons like eventually the Borg doesn't become I think the Borg is one of the best in enemies in his, the history of science fiction. Sure. But eventually in Star Trek, it's like, yeah, we live and work with one another. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I have to be nice to the Borg on the way. Oh, don't don't mention the whole adapting thing. They'll fucking call HR. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, it's it's. I, I think it's never been a better time to rediscover Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's plenty of like episode guides like watch this and that and this, 
By the way, I didn't know that like all that old Star Wars canon of people we've been here, it's all it's all uh uh unchronological when you watch if you were watching Clone Wars. Um it's every episode yeah, yeah, it's it's not chronological. Um it, it takes place in between um fuck uh three and four, but it's not always chronological. So like Disney Plus as far as the streaming service came up with the best, like here's the order to watch things in. Um, and I wish I don't have CBS all access. Like give me all the Borgs in the Ah. right order. And they didn't, they wasn't an option. Like give me all the fucking Klingons in this order. Um, that's what I wish they would do during this, this, this weirdo time. I want to just, cause there's some episodes I want to discover and some, I just would like to rewatch in order. And I wish more streaming services did that. Yeah, yeah, that mm. that that would be a difficult one to do. That would require some of your own homework. But generally, though, Star Trek is really good with its own canon. The biggest departure they did was the whole Kelvin timeline thing mm. with the Chris Pine Star Trek movies, where that kind of allowed them to diverge. But it doesn't necessarily wait. Have that to be that is acknowledged in Picard, isn't it? Is it? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. Like, but I thought I remember reading something about it. There's a a moment where that is acknowledged because that where at the time they made Picard, that's where Paramount was at. We still have Star Trek movies produced by J.J. Abrams happening simultaneously, so we can't fuck with that. But I thought those kind of like had their own timeline, whereas I feel like um, uh. Picard respects the original timeline. Uh, don't beat me, th- beat me over the head about it. No, uh, it's fucking midnight and we're tired. <laughs> and Sarah has like 9,000 shows left to promote. Yeah, I wasn't talking to you. I was meant like real like Star Trek fans. No, but, kick Sam um, in the dick. Get in there. <laughs> really the way into well, speaking, I mean, when we were talking about Mandalorian, um, the only other thing that I think it was as big of a cultural phenomenon that was worth it this year was Shit's Creek um, having its final season this year. It Shit's Creek is this, the show that I've gone back to the most. Um, I think I just I'm pretty sure I discovered it this year. And then I'm pretty sure I've watched the entire run through of the series at least twice now, um, if not more, just because I put it on in the background when I'm doing other stuff, because it's truly just pure joy. And the last season ended up so beautifully with so many funny. It's so unbelievably funny, which is why I've watched it so many times, because the amount of. The, just the jokes and the looks and the little asides and the way people talk. You just have to watch it a couple times just to catch everything. Um, and so I pulled a little bit of the trailer for this uh, final season of the series because it was just such a beautiful experience. Yay! What is happening? I once dated someone who left me for a stuffed animal. I'm not having my big day, our, our big day compromised because Alexis wanted to chill in a tankini for six months. Who's excited, huh? Oh, Huzzah. Uh-huh. Have a very pleasant stay. The truth is, is that I'm really going to miss you. I know. Oh, I don't want to see this. I want to... <laughs> um, I... I love it for the I love Shit's Creek for the arrested development angle of the absurdly wealthy people fall from grace. Mm-hmm. But unlike arrested development, 
These people never find the money to live the lifestyle they get again. Right. Um, and my favorite characters are Moira and David. Mm-hmm. Um, Moira being Catherine O'Hara, who they had no plan for, apparently. Like, uh, please be in the pilot. No one will buy this. Oh, they did. And you'll have to do this. The shit that happened with younger people realizing Moira was Mrs. McAllister in Home Alone yes, made me feel so I old. I like, know. Like, her fucking accent as that character is amazing. It's so awful and grating. Like you could read like a, a recipe for like eggs over easy and it would be hilarious. Oh. Uh, uh, Waffle House, eggs over my slammy. And like, it, like, it, it, like. It's she and Maya Rudolph in Big Mouth as the hormone monster are the two most like indelible, perfect characterization voices that have ever been invented. Like, and they're just so, so good. And this whole last season is such a joy and a celebration of life um, because it kind of revolves around David and Patrick's getting married and going mm. through their whole like wedding planning process with it uh, being the ultimate episode is their actual wedding, which is just, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about Shit's Creek. Like it's just such a beautiful celebration of family and friendship. And you know, I love both of those things. I know. And but I feel like I'm doing it a disservice because um, I watch the show when I play video games. It's in the corner of my eye on an iPad as I play games, and I don't know what episode. I just don't know what episode is what or what season I'm on. Uh, but I don't. I, I definitely don't hate the show, and Eugene Levy is not spirit animal is incorrect. It's the guy I'm going to grow up looking like if I'm lucky. <laughs> if I'm yeah. lucky, I will look like David or Eugene Levy. Um, yeah. David is a more attractive version of me when whatever age he is. And but big eyebrowed, big nose, glasses people. Oh, mm -hmm. it's nice to see. It's nice to it's see just, again. It's definitely a rewatchable show. I would mm -hmm. watch it again in a heartbeat. And I probably will watch some more episodes of it in the next couple of days because why not? It's just a perfect comedy. And it's I'm so happy it got the attention that it got over the past couple of years. And I'm glad that it ended when it did because they really went out on a super high note. They did not. Awesome. They left everything on the table. And it was such a good, just a wonderful way of, of, of doing things. And I'm so happy to see what Dan Levy does next. He's also in one of my favorite movies of the year, The Happiest Season. Right. One of my favorite favorite things of the year was um, David Edelstein on NPR. I, by the way, I I listened to this driving up to get liquor, so I'm also a degenerate, and I was listening to NPR. And he was like, I, I, I don't know how to say this, but my favorite show was Shit's Creek. That's with a C, with a C, Shit's Creek. Don't find me, FCC. And then he unspooled his other favorite TV shows of the year, which were Borat 2. And, like, <laughs> it, it was like... And Terry, like, that's a movie. I'm like, what does it matter anymore? I'm like, well, it's your job. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> like, you have to talk about television at some point. <laughs> uh, but that he, he he felt that there was a version of the public who might have been scared away from Shit's Creek because it had a naughty word in the name. Mm -hmm. We still live in that world. Never mind. That's neither so here weird. nor there. 
but um, it's all on Netflix. And and that was one of the comedies that just brought me so much joy this year. And then the other one um, that I loved so much that I discovered the first season this year. And then so because like so a couple of these next ones that I'm going to talk about are shows that I did not really discover until this year, but they had already existed before 2020. So mm-hmm. I went back and watched them and then caught up. And that the other one that I did that with was What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. It What We Do in the Shadows is so fucking funny. And it's definitely one of these shows that I want to go back and rewatch too because there are so many visual jokes that are nonverbal that are jo- and also talking about characters who have made perfect uh dialects and accents for their characters are it's pretty amazing and the trailer uh definitely shows you a little bit of that we have been invited to our neighbor's superb owl party hey you guys made it so uh how come we never see you guys around here during the regular season they never seem to be around during the day it's like they were uh, vampires or something Everything's going to be okay. 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 We are Nadja and Laszlo, the Human Music Group. Laszlo has always been quite musical. She's a superb lyricist. We're feeling honey for love. 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 I, I hate how much I love the movie. What we did in the shadows. That it's 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 been really hard for me to transition. I I watched. What we did in the shadows like six times. It was like our family loved it. And then mm-hmm. like the show wow. comes out and like, who is this energy vampire guy? Where's Peter? Oh, Where, like, so uh, I know. I've not seen the movie until 2020. And the mockumentary style is something that took me like a good 15 years of like sporadic exposure to appreciate. Cause I remember you watching like, uh, you Chris, uh, mm-hmm. watching like best in show or like oh, mighty was... wind or something like mm-hmm. that. And every time I would like try and watch it with you, I'm like, this is fucking boring. I don't get this. <laughs> but it eventually like took, um, I took to it and, uh, I loved the movie, uh, what we do in the shadows and the show is phenomenal as well. It's hilarious. And it's so dirty too, which it's yeah. like, it's just great. Um, and I think it originally was on FX and now you can find it all on Hulu. And it's just it's just a dark joy. And it's like I said, the visual jokes are so good because they live in this like big cranky haunted house and there's like blood and mess and and man, it's it's absolutely hilarious and it's also so silly. It just yeah. is really just such a a gothy joy. <laughs> I know. And it's one of those weird comedy shows that because of its subject matter has to lean a lot on its CGI, which mm-hmm. is pretty good too. That's yeah. It's yeah. good. It's so weird because the CGI is good, but it also by nature of how awkward the characters are, it also still looks kind of janky. Like, yeah. I don't know how to yeah. put it, but it's like, no, when they turn- the first ep- I've watched the first episode like three times because I was able to like download it on my console and keep it forever. And and the girl is obsessed with this guy and she crawls up to his window and he's jerking off looking at his iPhone. I'm like, well, that's a horrifying. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's something I didn't do a lot ten years ago, and like I'm embarrassed to admit how much it might have. I could be caught doing it now, uh, but, but like like that like that's what they use the CGI for. <laughs> 
We gotta get the girl up there watching him jerk off on his iPhone, not just checking his history. She needs to be at the window. Yeah. Um, and it's so good. And Sarah, this she, Sarah has uh, like four hundred runner-ups, and we should start. Yeah, I'm gonna up. run through them real fast. Mm-hmm. So um, the other show that I watched and then caught up all on this year was Better Things. Um, it's just so great, and it's usually I don't I like to eschew anything that ever involved. Uh, a guy named Shmui Shike. Um, but he's definitely one of the creators. You watched of the a show. show made by an ice cream cake? Mm. <laughs> Shmui so He created the show with Pamela Adlon. And then after uh, it turned out that he was a predator, she eschewed him. Thank goodness. Dad, um, I'm done with you. That's my Pamela <laughs> Adlon impression. <laughs> She's Bobby Hill. <laughs> It's so wonderful. It's had four seasons. It's all on Netflix. It's all on Hulu. And it's she's a, plays a struggling actress in L.A. Um, with three daughters who um, are awful. <laughs> like her daughters are so mean to her. But I can't tell you why it's good. I can just tell you that it is good. It's very, very funny, but it also has a ton of heart. And it really says a lot about family and friendship and the relationships between mothers and daughters and trying to be an adult and also trying to be a mom and how difficult that can be. And I just absolutely loved it and recommend it so much. Um, I also really loved Killing Eve. Um, I watched the first season of it and absolutely loved it, starring Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. And then I kind of let it fall by the wayside. And then this year, I picked it back up again, and it's had three seasons. It's all on Hulu. Um, and also, the first series, the first season, had Phoebe Waller-Bridge of the aforementioned Fleabag as the head writer. And then the second series uh, with season was written by Emerald Fennell, who is also the person who wrote and directed Promising Young Woman, which was one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, But Killing Eve is a very dark, but still very funny um, spy thriller series where Jodie Comer plays a very gorgeous, very stylish assassin. And Sandra Oh is a British MI6 person. But is American at the same time, though, right? She's American, yeah. And she's, like, chasing her, and they're kind of, like, sexually obsessed with each other, and it's really hot, and it's really cool, and and funny, and dark, and violent, and I absolutely loved it. Um, The new season of The Crown, I absolutely loved. Also had Emerald Fennell in it, playing uh, poor horsey Camilla um, as opposite of Lady Diana and Prince Charles, and this was a really fun season of the crown because it really starts to get into stuff that we would start remembering like princess Diana as mm-hmm. romance with Prince Charles as and a bad what driver. A oh. That was Falklands yeah. yeah. war. Um, that came up, didn't it? It did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And with Thatcher, but sorry, go ahead. Well, the whole, this season is the best season in my opinion too, because it also introduces us to, um, fucking maggie thatcher that old bitch and uh but wonderfully played by um scully so she did such an amazing job with that yeah Uh, this this season really made me want to go back and watch the show from the the beginning because i saw like the first two episodes and just 
lost interest but like this season i'm like damn i really need to go back and watch the show anyway yeah. sorry go ahead it was so great sam and i also really love dead to me the second season of dead to me this yeah. year um starring christina applegate and linda cardellini um it, that is a very funny very um twisty turny mystery show um dealing with grief one of the best ways I've ever seen grief dealt with on screen. Um, and it's, it's somehow ends up being really funny and really sad at the same time, which is kind of my favorite thing. And lastly, a show that brought me so much comfort over the past year. And again, another show that I watched all the way through twice was Superstore. Um, it's just a fucking delight. And as someone who has worked retail in a, uh, not quite a superstore, but in a grocery store, so they get so much of it right as far as the type of characters that you meet both as customers and as co-workers and as management. And one thing that was super surprising to me about this show that I absolutely love is that it does it really unflinchingly takes on things having to do with class, immigration status how they're dealing with COVID this most recent season, they're dealing with COVID and showing how dangerous and hard and it is for you to do it via Mark McKinney talking like this the whole time. It's so <laughs> weird. I've, won I've watched all of kids in the hall once during this pandemic and it's the mm. best thing I've ever done. Mark McKinney's a genius. Yeah. Superstore yeah. fantastic. And that was one of the shows too, that I watched. And then Sam was like, I got to check this out. And so I watched mm. it again with him. Cause yeah. So I watched like, five seasons of it in like the period of like two weeks mm -hmm. i think something like that and i think it, i think it was uh because i you know i'd seen a smattering of episodes here and there while you watched it but once i realized that they were like um dealing with COVID on the show it was suddenly like way more interesting to me so i was like very happy to I, go back and watch it from the beginning and there's like a lot of organized labor issues in there too if you go back and watch it from the beginning it's it i think it's a great show if you're thinking about getting involved with organized labor and people will, will follow you, the idea is that Walmart will raise your salary and you'll never talk about it again. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But but I, I was going to recommend it to you guys because like, um, it was one of the first shows I've ever seen deal with a hurricane. And having uh -huh. like not deal with hurricanes for... Wait, wait, wait what do you mean? Was it a tornado? Yeah. Was yeah. it a tornado? Yeah, yeah, because they're they're in like Missouri or something. Yeah, I, for yeah. a decade of my life, like uh, I thought that was incredibly accurate. Like, but most shows, since they're shot in L.A., just don't acknowledge that there are wind events that can close down your store for months. Um, it's only earthquakes and race riots because it's L.A. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, have, have, having a hurricane episode, I thought was fucking great. Yeah. And I'll still call it a hurricane episode because it was multiple episodes that it deals that. Dealing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're in Missouri. I'm almost certain it was a tornado. Yeah. It's just a delight. It makes me want to kind of go back and watch it again, just out of comfort. And I think it's a great testament that Sam watched it and loved it as someone who generally does not enjoy a classic sitcom um, structured show. I didn't want to watch it no, all, but I, I remember it streaming throughout my house for days on end. I would wake up to... Yeah. <laughs> um, oh fuck! Is that so running? Ben Feldman guy. I I think in Mad Men I found mm -hmm. him a little bit annoying, and I didn't know anything about America Ferrera. Um, so it, it took a little bit of buy-in for me. But like once I got in there, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's pretty cool. I like him, and you know. Um, 
Sarah, so wrap it up. Are, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, those were our favorite shows of the year. I'm going to really fast say my honorable mentions. Taste the Nation was fantastic with Padma Lakshmi on Hulu. Um, the Queen's Gambit, everyone was talking about. You should mm. definitely watch it because it's super weird and Girlfriend fun loved and it. gorgeous. I started yeah. watching it. She finished it. That, that was like three three shows this year I could have that story with. It's mm. just beautifully stylish, mm. um, even though there are some issues with it. Uh, I definitely agree with a lot of the criticism, but still worth a watch. Insecure, the season was fantastic. Great exploration of female friendship. Flight Attendant, we already talked about. Really fun, twisty, and turdy. Mystery, very stylish. Big Mouth is always great, and I absolutely still love this last season. Like, there's it has not had any drop off on quality. Pen 15 second season was just as good as the first one, if not better. Um, again, female friendship. I love it so much. And I haven't finished, but I started um, The Last Dance, the Netflix documentary series about Michael Jordan. It's, and if you really want to, it's some phenomenal. Stuff, I've watched yeah. it, it's great. <laughs> It's I so hate good. sports. I hate sports so much, but this is such a great documentary about a thing that was unavoidable in the nineties, the bulls. And I love, I mean, I do agree with the, some of the criticism that, you know, the, the filmmakers maybe worked a little too closely with Michael Jordan and maybe wasn't as critical of him as they could have been because he definitely is a flawed person, but it, from what I've seen so far, I've been right. a couple episodes in. I absolutely loved it just for the 90s nostalgia of it. It makes me really excited to watch the Tiger Woods documentary that just came out, um, kind of for the aughts nostalgia of it all. I, hopefully, You know who's even more flawed than Michael Jordan? The owners of the Bulls who decided yeah, to underpay Scottie Pippen and like, oh, why don't we just cycle everybody out in 1997? We're clearly geniuses and we can make a new Avengers team where the Bulls will be on top forever. And they were fucking wrong and they were very yeah. wrong and bad at their jobs so absolutely not necessarily fuck that criticism and not necessarily not fuck michael jordan but like the owners are idiots totally yeah. idiots well it's just all about money anyways and then things i miss that i can't wait to watch that i just need to make time for is auntie donna we talked about that before a new sketch show on um netflix bridgerton the sexy sex show that everybody's been talking about i'm so excited to see it's uh shonda rhymes first show of her new deal with netflix and it's supposed to be fantastic i'm just waiting to read the book first uh, the Great about Catherine the Great got really good reviews, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I need to catch up on my Better Call Saul and my Letter Kenny. So a lot of great TV to look forward to. And if you've seen any of those, let us know. Or if we missed any great shows, let us know, because TV is pretty much my favorite thing. I, and honestly, in this awful, awful year, it's pretty much been the only thing that I have the attention span for. I it's was an episode of TV. scared to watch new Letter Kenny because it's in like its ninth season, by the way, after like four years of being on the air mm -hmm. um and it was everyone was like this is so this is not as good and like well we'll just watch the first eight seasons that'll be fine and, and better call saul which i love but like anybody who says this is better than breaking bad the longer it goes on the more these are all breaking bad characters and saul is in here for five minutes like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's one of the weirdest shows i've seen I'm sorry, I love that show. Though. Me too. I love it too. too. I like it more than Breaking Bad. Me honestly. too. But like, no one mentioned like why can't it be called the Mike Ehrman Trout show? Because he's he's just as much on the show, and most of the sure. stuff that involves him is fascinating. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
what happened in this most recent season? There was a lot of piss drinking or something like that. Yeah, they're they're the building season? an underground. They're slowly building it. It is the fucking prequel saga for Breaking Bad, and you have to be all in everyone. It's better than Breaking Bad, and like you would never know what was happening if this if it wasn't for Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's definitely it, not the same show, but it's also like. Walter White, especially by the time you get to the end, is such a detestable character. Mm-hmm. But Saul Goodman is always Every, so everyone likeable. else. Even Gus Fring is still like an up and comer, and you're rooting for him in Better Call Saul. Yeah. So that's what's interesting about it. But like Breaking Bad is a required. It, look, I'm a I'm good enough at this job to say Breaking Bad is required. You will never like Better Call Saul unless you've seen Breaking Bad. Period. Yeah. Why, yeah. The, there's like just precursor knowledge that yeah, you need. You, it's impossible to like. It's like someone reviewing. I've never seen Star Wars, but here's what I think of Anakin. Like, mm. well, you're gonna hate this first of all, um, but but second, yeah, you, like why talk about it? You have no ground. Uh, you're you're anyway. Um, and lastly, Fargo. I can't wait to watch the Chris oh, Rock. Uh, I, I want to see Chris that. Rock on Fargo. I like what one of our commenters said. Like, you get to watch him become a better actor throughout the show. Love it. Chris Rock has it in him. He really does. I caught up on the Fargo seasons this year, and I loved every single one of them. So I'm I loved the first season, that. fell off the second for being boring, and look forward to catching back up with it. The, the most interesting really thing good. the Coen brothers have had never nothing to do with in their lives, but <laughs> uh, we'll watch. We'll watch all that stuff. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com/slash Laser Time is how you can support us. Sam and Sarah on this week talking about interesting things in our lives. That's all I'll say. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for listening. Um, TV gets us through. Sometimes podcasts get us through. So we do appreciate your support. I'm going to close out with the Eric Andre song because it might be the last season of one of my favorite shows on the air. It, it, the show hasn't been on the air, by the way, in four years, if I didn't say that. And it came back by surprise. <laughs> and the show's nature is surprising. Uh, It was really fun to see, and here's a Muppet Show tribute to that. Uh, Let us know your thoughts in the the comments, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or the uh, LaserTimePodcast.com website. We love you. Check out another show. Bye! Life is stupid. Do whatever you could die or live forever. What to do now? We just don't know. Cause